0: Today is the um, fourth in a series of five messages we're calling stewards, and the pastor is relying on me to deliver the message today on reliable givers. Isn't that a good way to to illustrate stewardship? We illustrate stewardship in this way, when one person entrusts another person with a particular responsibility. Our pastor has the responsibility for faithfully proclaiming the Word of God here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And when situations take him away, in this case, he's out for some well-deserved vacation time with his family. When he is away, he finds someone else that he trusts to take this responsibility. Now, you pray for me that I'll be faithful in that task in delivering the message that he wants me uh, to deliver or that he uh, gives me the opportunity to deliver today. Reliable givers interesting way for us to think about uh, this role of stewards in the life of our church. Now, as we continue in this series, it it occurs to me that uh, the pastor's given us a wonderful picture of a steward. Uh, He's talked to us about the idea that a steward is a manager. He's an overseer. He's one that is entrusted with the responsibility that's given to him by another. And that's a great picture. And I don't know what picture comes to mind for you when you think about Manager, whether it's a guy at the store that wears a different color shirt or a tie and has a clipboard or oversees a group of people, what images come to mind for you? But there's probably some image you have of a manager. And that's a good way for us to think about our being stewards of what God has entrusted to us. So I want to add to that picture today. I want to give you another picture that I think is um, a good example of what it means to be a steward. And it's an everyday example that we have. Almost all of us encounter this example from day to day and it is the United States Postal Service. You think about uh, the significance of the postman, of the mailman, or the mail person, I guess that would be politically correct, who delivers your mail, and the responsibility that they carry. I went to the post office website, and I discovered that the United States Post Office, in 2014, handled and delivered 513 million pieces of mail every day. That's a huge responsibility. And think about how significant that is that uh, we entrust something, sometimes of little value. It may be a postcard from vacation that says, wish you were here. We give that to someone that we really don't know that well and trust that they will deliver the mail to where it needs to go. But sometimes we're writing the check for the rent or the house payments. That's a significant you know, valued item and we're putting it in an envelope, putting a stamp on it, handing it to someone that we don't know and we're trusting that they will get the job done. Uh, we're entrusting them with a responsibility now in our world today uh, the two other companies I've just put up here as representative FedEx and UPS are both companies that have built their entire businesses on the foundation of this idea of reliability they've developed systems that have said we will guarantee you that we can get your package from your desk to your friends desk somewhere across the country by a specific day and time we'll guarantee it and they have successfully built for-profit businesses to do that that's a pretty amazing picture of being entrusted with a great responsibility. Now, before FedEx and uh, UPS uh, got in the game with express delivery, they had a predecessor. You may recall them. 1860, Pony Express was started. Uh, and, and they were working on express delivery. And I understand that express is a relative term. When we talk about express delivery today, we're talking about overnight. I mean, we get this thing cross country overnight. That's amazing. Pony Express was necessary because there wasn't a whole lot west of the Mississippi River that had been established until you get to the West Coast. It took 25 days to get a letter by stagecoach from the Mississippi River to the West Coast. And so the Pony Express put together a plan saying, if we created a post every 25 miles along the route, 1,966 miles, we could cut that time in half. We can do express delivery in 10 days. We can get your letter there they depended on people who were reliable. Look at who they were looking for. This sign says, wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellers. Uh, That's great qualifications. Not over 18 must be expert riders willing to risk death daily, orphans preferred. Wow. Hey, think about it. What an incredible thing that to ride that journey, that meant that these men had to ride a horse between 10 and 25 miles per hour, that's fast. I didn't go that fast, but I guess if you watch the Kentucky Derby, it goes by pretty quickly. The fastest two minutes in sports. So they moved pretty quickly, riding 25 miles distance to relay the letter or package to the next rider who would take that to the next post. And in 8 to 10 days, that package would be delivered from St. Joseph, Missouri to San Francisco, California. It's a great picture of reliability entrusting someone else with something that's yours to take care of. That's the picture that we have of stewards. Again, those businesses have built themselves on this idea of reliability. But what about us? Is that a good picture for us? Reliability, is that a good word that describes who we are as followers of Christ? Could that be said of us that we are reliable men and women? It's a word that comes from 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 4 we find this text uh, in scripture the apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth so let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God moreover it is required as stewards that one be found faithful it's that word faithful is where I get the word reliable in this series that word faithful is the character of one who can be relied upon faithful The Apostle Paul says here that each one of us are called as stewards of God to be faithful, to be reliable. Now, there are three traits that I want to link to this word um, as adjectives I would give to, to describe what it means to be reliable, to be reliable givers. It would be that a reliable giver is a committed giver, a reliable giver is a consistent giver, and a reliable giver is a progressive giver. Now, I just lost some of you there because you're like, you made a leap. I didn't follow. You jumped into giving somehow. Let me go back and help you figure out how I got there. The Apostle Paul said, we are consider us as servants of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God, those things that are hidden or things that are maybe unknown to other people who don't know Christ. What is that? It's the gospel. He said that we're stewards. We've been entrusted with this message that the Lord wants to be distributed everywhere. He says it's the nature of the gospel that it is free, and it is the nature of the gospel that it is to be given away and shared freely. You remember the instructions Jesus gave the disciples? He said, go into all the world and make disciples out of all the nations baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe or obey everything that I've commanded you and, lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. You see, Jesus gave us these final instructions that this message of the gospel would be preached in all the earth and then the end would come. The nature of the gospel is that it is to be given away freely. Unlike other valuables, maybe you have gold, maybe you have jewelry, maybe you have Um, money or maybe you have a collection of uh, stamps or other rare things that you would want to keep in a safe or you'd want to put in a vault or in a safe deposit box in the bank so that thieves don't break in and steal. The gospel is valuable, but the gospel never needs to be tucked away safely somewhere inside of a safe or a vault. No, the gospel has been given to us. And Paul says that we are stewards of the gospel. And so what are we doing with the gospel? Are we holding on to that and keeping it safe? Or are we giving it away freely? So I I use that word to say that if if we are good stewards of the gospel of Christ, if we are reliable stewards, we are faithful stewards, that, that makes us faithful givers of the gospel. And we are individuals who are committed to giving the gospel. So how would I ever commit to giving the gospel? Well, can I just say to you that that would begin with your knowing Christ. First, you're not going to give away the gospel until you possess the gospel, until you have received the message of Christ. The gospel is this picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a reminder and a recognition that uh, I have a story, you have a story, and that story really is the same in this sense. That I came to a place in my life where I recognized because of my sin that I was separated from God. I was in need of a Savior. There was nothing that I could do to erase the stain of sin on my life. Nothing. And the more I tried to somehow fix that and to clean that up, really the further away from God I got. Only in coming to understand this mystery, this gospel, this good news that Jesus had already died to take the place and the penalty and the punishment of my sin. And through his shed blood on the cross, through his death, burial, and resurrection, I could have new life in Christ. When I repent of my sin, when I place my faith and trust in Christ. That's the gospel. If I'm going to be a reliable giver, I need to be a committed giver. Somewhere in my spiritual journey, once I've come to know Christ, I need to cross a bridge of commitment and say to the Lord, Lord, I understand you want me to be a part of this telling my story. And you want me to be an ambassador for Christ, and I'm going and telling the gospel to other people. God, I'm willing to do that. If we apply the other words, we say, well, uh, what's a consistent giver of the gospel? Can I just say to you that a consistent giver of the gospel is someone who's not just giving their story one time or not just sharing the gospel once or twice in their lifetime, but they find that in their life they develop a pattern of giving away the gospel to other people who need to hear the gospel. We talk about around here about our pathways, and the places that we commonly go each day. Those are great places to engage in gospel conversations with people. But we also talk about bridges and crossroads. I saw Vince and Nancy up there, up there in the balcony a moment ago. I'm inspired by Vince and Nancy because they're good examples of consistent givers of the gospel You see, they have a love for helping other people who do not speak the English language learn how to speak the English language. And so they're engaged in a ministry through our church to go in a community that's not the community they live in, but it's in another community with intentionality that they might help others learn the language of English. But in so doing, there's an opportunity for sharing the gospel You see, it is a consistent process of sharing the gospel, continuing to be engaged in a way that allows you to give the gospel away freely on a regular basis. And then a progressive giver. What's what's that? Well, I mean, a progressive giver, just being able to look back over the course of your life and see that you have grown as one who is giving away the gospel. You see, a progressive giver not only shares the gospel with other people, but they also come to a place where they recognize uh, that... They have a passion that God has given them really for those that are far from God, helping them find new life in Christ. That changes the decisions that they make about where they go and what they do. A progressive giver is one whose prayer life has changed. They realize that more and more I find myself praying for people that are far from God that they would come to know Christ. Uh, It may mean that you find yourself going to other places around the globe that you would not have ever considered doing. When I look around this room, I see people that 10 years ago, maybe had never been out of the country, and many of you have found that God has given you a great passion for and a ministry in other places around the world in the cause of missions. I want to invite you today just to consider, how do you evaluate yourself from 1 Corinthians 4.2? Am I a reliable giver of the gospel? What am I doing with the gospel? Think about it like this. Can God count on me? Can God rely on me to get the message of the gospel to where it needs to go? You see, when we leave this place, God is sending us out as his ambassadors. And we are his representatives wherever we go. And he's not sent us with nothing to give. He has sent us with the message of hope that is found alone in Jesus Christ. And so as we go from this place, it may be that God prompts you to say, that person needs the gospel. Will you deliver the message of the gospel to them? I pray that we would continue as a church to grow to be faithful men and women who are stewards, who are caretakers, who are managers, who are deliverers of the gospel. Let's be reliable givers in that journey. Well, we can apply that to other parts of our life. We can apply it to other aspects of our Christian life. What about spiritual gifts? First Corinthians 12:7 says that to each one, each believer has been given the manifestation of the spirit, for the good of all, or for the common good, speaking about for the good of the body of Christ. You realize that God loves you so much that as He redeemed you in Christ, that He's also gifted you to be engaged in ministry of some kind? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, other passages of Scripture identify and list uh, several of the gifts that God has given to the body of Christ. Why? So that the body might be blessed. And in your journey of your walk with Christ, one of the things that you discover is that God has gifted you. So what do you do with that gift? Well, you could just celebrate that gift and say, good for me. God gave me a gift. That's great. No, the Bible says that God gave you that gift to give, to share, He gave that gift to you to be able to bless this body. Now, were you blessed just a moment ago by people using their gifts up here with their music, with their voice, with their instruments? Yes. It would be kind of a somber place if we just said, you know, we're not doing any of that. Nobody's allowed to sing anymore. Stop it. We wouldn't want to do that. See, we're blessed when people share the gifts that God has given them. So once you've identified what your spiritual gift is, uh, what does that journey look like? A reliable giver of a spiritual gift is a committed giver. He says, God, I realize you've given me this gift. I want to use this gift. I want to exercise this gift in order to be a blessing to others. They're committed to that, that process. Uh, Let's say that you have the gift of serving, uh, the gift of service or helps, It's kind of a behind-the-scenes gift. It's the person that's really good at just, I just want to be behind the scenes, make things happen, but I don't really want to be in the spotlight, and I don't want a lot of fanfare. Yesterday, one of our young deacons, Matt Zorn, uh, texted me early yesterday morning. He'd seen a post that I'd mentioned about looking for some of these boxes, and he said, hey, I've got it covered for you. I'll take care of getting all those things for you. I didn't ask him to do that. He just has the gift of service. And he said, "I've, I've already taken care of that. I saw you needed that, so I did it for you you have the gift of service or the gift of helps, then commit to the Lord, God, I want to do that. I want to use what you've given me so that I can bless others around me. What about a consistent giver of gifts? We see a consistent giver of gifts recognizes that what we do here happens with a rhythm, with a frequency. We're here every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, every seven days we continue to come back here and worship the Lord. And uh, let's suppose you have the gift of leadership and you decided, you know, I think I'll show up to church every three, four months and use my gift of leadership one day and just do something, I'll lead something, I guess. How helpful would that be to the body as a whole? Probably not real helpful. Uh, There is a consistency. And so the person who realizes that God's given you a gift, you wanna exercise that gift with regularity. A commitment to the Lord that I'm going to, if you have the gift of teaching, that I'm not gonna sit on this gift and hide it, But God, if you'll give me the opportunity, I will continue to teach and to teach and to teach and to teach and to train and develop others around me. That frequency, that consistency of giving your gifts. What about a progressive giver? If I use the same analogy of the gift of teaching, I would say that the progressive giver would be a person that recognizes that, God, not only will I give my gift in teaching, but maybe it is that you would use me kind of in an exponential way. God, would you use the gift that you've given me to be able to bless many people in this church, in this congregation? And maybe a teacher would move to just, from just teaching one group to saying, I would be willing to teach some other people who have the gift of teaching to teach well. I'm going to learn and grow and develop and become the most effective teacher that I could be but I'm going to invest that into other people. It sounds a lot like what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. He said, now, Paul, uh, Timothy, you've seen and you've heard these things from me. And I want you to take these things and you teach them to faithful men, to reliable men, who will in turn teach others. Maybe that's what a progressive giver of gifts would look like. So what about it? Can God count on you To take the gift that he's given to you and deliver it to the church and to express and exercise your gift in ministry and in blessing the congregation of God. See, when God's given us something, he's entrusted it to us for us to be able to make use of that. I believe that God wants us to be faithful, reliable givers of everything that he's given to us. The gospel, absolutely. Spiritual gifts that he's given us, absolutely. What about our possessions? What about our finances? You knew I was going to get there, didn't you? Well, yes, absolutely. That's part of that process of stewardship. But what I want you to see is that stewardship is the responsibility to be reliable in all of these areas of our life. Stewardship is not just about money. It includes that, but it's not limited to that. Have your Bible with you. Open it to Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to see... Uh, an amazing picture from the Apostle Paul as he writes this thank you letter from a jail cell. And he's writing this letter to these believers in Philippi. If you want to know a little more about his relationship with this church in Philippi, go to Acts chapter 16. You can read that story later today. But what you'll find there will be Um, a reminder that the apostle Paul had this vision from the Lord that he was to leave where he was and he was to go to Macedonia and he was to take the gospel to these people. And once there, when he was in Philippi, he encountered this girl who was demon possessed that was following him. She was a slave girl. She was owned by her masters and they were using her kind of as a fortune teller and they were using it as an economic enterprise to make money for themselves. Paul saw what was going on and he cast this demon out of this young girl That messed up the guy's business really bad, okay? It just totally ruined it. And so they were upset, and he was arrested and put in jail. He and Silas were in jail. The Bible says that at midnight, they were singing in the jail cell, praising God. Why? Because they trusted the Lord that they were exactly where they needed to be Delivering exactly what they needed to deliver. They were being reliable stewards reliable givers of what God had given to them because An earthquake was going to happen that night the jail cell doors were broken open and the jailer assumed that everyone had escaped Realizing his own peril he was going to take his own life as opposed to having his life taken from him And as he drew his sword Paul speaks up and he says wait, we're still here. We didn't go anywhere Why? because they were there to deliver a message. They were there to deliver the gospel, because it was in that setting that this man asked this profound question that sinners have asked since the time of Christ. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And it was in that moment that the Apostle Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household saved. Paul found other supporters of his ministry there. Paul left Philippi and went on to plant other churches from there. And so the book of Philippians is this passionate thank you letter from the Apostle Paul to this church. And what he's saying to the people in this church is that thank you for being reliable givers. Thank you for being reliable, faithful stewards of all that God has entrusted to you. Look at what he says in verse 10. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me stop there for just a moment, remind you. That passage of scripture, often taken out of context, that passage of scripture does not mean that you can leap tall buildings. But sometimes people use it in that manner as if that's what it says. The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm in prison right now and I have learned a secret of contentment. I've had much and I've had little. And even though I'm in the circumstance that I'm in right now, I can do all things that Christ calls me to do. He strengthens me to do this. I'm gonna get through this imprisonment It's going to be because of Christ. It's not that God gives you superhuman strength to jump buildings and just whatever you decide you want to claim that you can do. No. He says, Christ strengthens me to endure these hardships. they've, They've sent a gift to him. He says, nevertheless, you have done well that you've shared in my distress. Now look at verse 15. The Bible says, now you Philippians know also that at the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. There's a picture of the committed giver. Do you see this church at Philippi? They have come alongside of the Apostle Paul, and he is left to go on to the next place to plant another church and to take the gospel to a new people. And he says that in that journey, you're the only church. Philippi, the believers, you believers in Philippi, you're the only ones that gave to support my need during that time. Was he complaining? No, he was celebrating that God used them. They were the group of people that God chose to be able to bless him in this particular place and time in his ministry. And God worked through them to supply his need at that moment. They were committed givers. Can I just say to you about your own personal journey that your money is probably never gonna jump out of your wallet into the offering plate just by itself. If you begin to give, it will be because you make a commitment, and you say, you know what? I want to be a part of God's kingdom work here, and I want to be a part of supporting that financially, so I'm choosing of my own volition to give back to the Lord of what he's given to me. It's a choice. It's a commitment. It's a decision that is made on our journey. Look at verse 16. He says, for even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. I would say that's a reminder that the Apostle Paul was just saying, you know, you've also been consistent. You've been faithful throughout my lifetime or throughout this ministry, that you didn't just help me when I was leaving. He said, we're gonna send you with a love offering and I hope you do well. He said that when I went to Thessalonica, you sent help again, and then you sent help again. And guess what? When we get to verse 18, he's going to say, and you sent help again. What's he saying? He's saying, Thank you. You have made a difference in continuing to contribute to the kingdom work of God. Look at verse 16 of uh, verse 17. He says, Now, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Paul answers the question of motivation here. He says, Wait, I want to be sure you're clear and understanding. I'm not sending this thank you note to say, please send some more money. I'm saying to you that on your journey, You are progressing in your faithfulness and giving. And what I want you to know is that really the things that have been accomplished in this ministry, God's going to recognize some of that goes to the account of the Philippian church. Why? Because they helped fund, they helped make it happen. Paul was recognizing that you've got a stake in this. Part of what God has done here has been accomplished through you. He was saying, it's not just about my proclamation of the gospel, you have helped make that possible verse 18 he says indeed i have all and abound i am full having received from epaphroditus the things sent from you a sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice and well-pleasing to god what's he saying i got the gift thank you epaphroditus was a faithful reliable giver he took the gift that you had from philippi and he brought it to me in prison. I have received the gift that you gave. Thank you. Look at verse 19. One of my favorite verses of Scripture because it is a promise that's attached to this context. The Apostle Paul says to the church at Philippi, look, you've been reliable and faithful in giving. But something else is going to happen. He said, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 20, now to God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What the church at Philippi has done, they've done for God's glory. And the apostle Paul said, don't miss this. Don't miss this. God is going to be faithful to you. And he's going to supply every need that you have. You don't need to worry and say, oh my goodness, we sent that gift with Epaphroditus and now we're not going to have anything. What about us? He said, look, God's going to take care of you. I believe that the key passage in this scripture is verse 19 for this reason. I believe it points us to the reliable giver. You see, it might be easy for us to read this and think Paul is saying the Philippian church is the reliable giver, but he's not. Paul is saying to them that God is the reliable giver. But he gives it through individuals, and he gives it through bodies of Christ Now, I want to commend you he commended this church he said to the Philippian church you have been reliable givers thank you I want to say to you that it's exciting to be a part of a church that is filled with people who have been down this journey financially people who have already made a commitment to giving and have said I'm going to support the work of God in this place people that have been consistent and given week after week after week to the work of God in this place and people that have grown to places of understanding you know what the truth is, I really want to be able to give more. And God, if you'll allow me, I will become the delivery person for doing more. In my lifetime, I've never met anyone that has said to me, well, I sure wish I'd given less away in my life. I sure wish I had held on to more and, and, and kept more for me. It's amazing. The gift of generosity and giving is honored by God. And that's what Paul was saying to the Philippian church here. You have been faithful and generous in giving of the gospel, in giving of your gifts, and in giving of your finances. I want to let you watch this video as an expression of thanks to this church.
1: Hey, First Baptist Norfolk, this is Pastor David Potier from La Chapelle in Montreal, and I want to give you a little update about what God is doing here in Montreal. Two years ago, we planted La Chapelle in the heart of the most secular city in North America. In fact, less than 0.5% of people here are evangelical Christians. But in two years, God did miracles. We grew from zero to more than a thousand people on a weekly basis. We see hundreds and hundreds of lives changed by the power of the gospel. You're just seeing right now some images of our Easter celebration when we baptized 47 people in just one day. So I want to say thank you guys. Thank you, First Baptist Norfolk. Special thank you to uh, Pastor Eric Thomas. Thanks for your love for your prayers, for your financial support. Thank you to have such heart for international missions. Without you guys, this would not be possible. Uh, Thank you supporting us in the next few years when we're gonna plant other churches. In fact, this fall, we're gonna send 150 people to plant a brand new church. Uh, And we have a vision to plant 20 churches in the next 20 years. So thank you guys. To being part of the revival god is doing right now in montreal
0: wow how exciting is that to see what god is doing in that place and can i say to you just like the apostle paul said this is to your credited to your account why Because as a church, more than three years ago, we began the process of determining that this Montreal would be the city that we would begin investing in. And you saw that two years ago they launched, and you saw that report of the great things that God has done there. Can I remind you that in the life of this church in the last 10 years, we have been partners with over 11 church plants around the world. That's very exciting to see what God is doing. Four in India right now, four pastors in India that our church is responsible for helping to support. We have a church in Malawi, church in South Dakota. We have two churches in Montreal, soon to be three churches in Montreal. Very exciting to see that God will work through us to accomplish his kingdom purposes in other places and around the world. So, how are you doing as a reliable giver? This is not about beating anybody up about your giving. This is about you evaluating and saying to the Lord, Okay, God, I'm assessing where I am in this journey. And, and what are my next steps then along the way? Can I just say to you that as, as you think about the gospel, if you're not currently giving, can I just say to you this would be a great day to make a commitment to the Lord to say, God, if you will allow me to, if you'll provide opportunity, I will begin to tell my story. I will begin to share the good news of how a person who is in darkness can find the light of life. And how a person who is dead in the trespass of their sin can find life in Christ. I will be your messenger. I'll be your delivery person, God. I'll be the one that takes the message. Or maybe you're doing that. Just ask the Lord God, is there a way that you want me to begin doing that more systematically? Is there a way that I could do that every week, every month? How is it that you would use me that way? Or maybe God, is there a way that I can somehow give beyond that in giving the gospel? I'm amazed at just the power of the technology that we have around us today. Uh, With the internet, I was online um, just the other day with a friend of mine, former staff member here, Chris Edmondson, uh, is planted a church in Clarksville, Tennessee several years ago and he was telling me about their online church and he was telling me all the places around the world that people are plugging into and hearing the gospel of Christ by way of the internet. That's an amazing thing. That's an exponential kind of growth. Maybe God would use you somehow. I don't know how God will use you, but I wanna encourage you to just say to the Lord, God, if you'd use me, I will share my story anywhere, anytime, any place, as long as you give me the opportunity to do that. What about your gifts? If you're not using your spiritual gift right now, identify that, figure out what that is. Um, We have resources here in our church. Talk to your life group leader. We'll be glad to help you along the way in assessing that, uh, figuring some things out about your gift, but find a way to begin using that gift in the life of this church to bless others around you. Or maybe find a place that you begin to use that consistently. Again, maybe God would use you somehow with your spiritual gift to exponentially impact the lives of other people that you give beyond. And then what about your finances? Can God count on you to deliver the resource that's needed to the place where it's needed? In the local church, yes. What if God lays on your heart, maybe there's another ministry somewhere outside of this place that God puts on your heart as well, that he wants you to deliver a gift to some place. Or maybe there's an individual in your life that God says to you, speaks to you, and says, I want you to deliver this to them. Can he count on you? Are you reliable in doing that? You're not giving, start giving. You are giving, consider how can I give consistently, God? I want in on this. I want to be a part of saying, God allowed me to be a part of that church plant because of my giving of the resources that God entrusted to me. I want to encourage you today. Allow God to use you to be the reliable, the faithful giver. I believe it's the picture that we find in Matthew's Gospel Jesus uh, says, of the one who is faithful, well done, good and faithful, reliable servant. I believe that's the kind of life that we are called to live. That's the kind of life the Apostle Paul said that we're called to live. He says that it is required, if you're a steward, that you be found faithful. I want to commend you today on your already faithful living And I want to encourage you to continue to live incredibly faithfully. We're going to have our musicians come out. We're going to sing a closing song, The Potter's Hand. And as we do that, I want to invite you just to use this opportunity to commit to the Lord. Do business with the Lord, whatever you need to do or say to the Lord about giving back to Him what He's already given to you. Make a commitment to the Lord today of taking one of those next steps in your journey of faith. Remember, there is a faithful, reliable giver, and it is the Lord.